Testing, 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 talking stuffers. I didn't want to give you this in front of everyone. It's an antique advent calendar. It was your grandmother's. She wanted you to have it. Ready? I've never seen you without a mouthful of cookies. How am I going to say no to Miss Judy's bacon? <laughs> Merry Christmas! And cuter since he's been away. We're just friends. Okay. What's going on with you? You've been traveling the world, taking photos, dating interesting people. Well, I've been too scared to leave my crappy day job. I want to be fearless enough to go after my dreams like you. And what do you think will happen if you just went for it? Probably get some of these questions about my future answered. Is that your Christmas wish? That's my regular wish. Pair of boots. The calendar gave me boots. It's crazy, right? Clearly, the calendar is magic. Clearly, I got a Christmas tree toy, and then my car ran over a Christmas tree. It's my fault. The guy at the tree farm recommended bungee cords, not twine. Yeah, well, there's a reason why twine jumping never caught on. <laughs> Gramps, that calendar is just a calendar, right? Hey. You look familiar. By any chance did you murder my tree with your car? You look happy. I have a date with Ty tonight. What's up with Abby? There's a guy. They thought you were the guy. I'm the friend. Ooh, friends on sex. Your grandmother was convinced it had magical powers. She said it brought her to me. Calendar. What did you predict today? I don't know. I decided to risk it and not check. Interesting strategy. Welcome. You heard the sleigh bells. You heard a trailer that sounded blander than uh, vanilla ice cream without the bean. It is season four of Stocking Stuffers by The Feminine Critique. I'm Emily. Um, Those of you who have been with us for a few years now know that this time of year, uh, I, for a lot of um, kind of unexplained reasons, uh, take a lot of enjoyment in going through this Hallmark lifetime freeform kind of cozy Christmas sweater canon of movies about single women finding themselves during the holidays. Uh, I, I've just found them fascinating in how formulaic they are and how the formula can can be tweaked a little bit, can be a little bit, you know, it's like following a recipe for chocolate chip cookies. You can, there's things you have to do. You can maybe step outside here and there. Maybe I'm going to put more flour in. Maybe I'm going to throw peanut butter in the mix. But for the most part, it's always the same framework. And what we do here for the next couple of weeks is I just watch a lot of these movies. I I take one at a time. I give you the trailer so you hear the entire movie in the trailer typically. And then I go through kind of the 10 expected tropes of these movies, plus whatever kind of bonus uh, add-ons we typically get. And it is the fourth year that I am doing this. I will have some special guests later in the season. Uh, This one is just me solo, but Christine will join me, (laughs) and she'll hate me for it. And we'll get some other really fun people to join in. Now, a few words about this genre before I get into it. Uh, I don't... uh, Look, 
I'm, I'm not a hipster. I don't like to say I like I knew that before it was cool. But when it comes to two things in life, I can say that. One is Wet Hot American Summer, which I saw in the theater, I'll have you know. Uh, the other is kind of like the me embracing the irony of these movies some four or five years ago and really honing down on what the formula was. And now, I mean, they're everywhere. Hallmark made 30 of them. 30, 30, 30. That is more pieces of art than like Terrence Malick put out in a 60-year career. Just think about that for a moment. Um, So like now the world is kind of like, you know, oh, they know this is a thing. I mean, yes, I knew it was a thing earlier, but whatever. Uh, I have fun doing this. I don't know why. Sometimes I get a little punchy and it gets a little bit intense because you can only watch so many movies about really, you know, uh, not that challenge people facing challenges before it starts to get to you. But we're going to start. It's fresh in the season. It's November. Um, And today's movie I picked specifically for a few reasons. It is, as you heard the trailer, the holiday calendar. I think it's also known as like the advent calendar and the Christmas calendar and many other alternate titles. And this is a Netflix original. Now, last year we did cover Netflix's big hit, A Christmas Prince. And this year we will cover its sequel because of course there was a sequel. Um, But I wanted to do the Netflix movie for a few reasons. One is that Look, Hallmark makes 30 of these movies. I'm going to cover a bunch of them. Don't worry. I've I've made spreadsheets. I'm really trying to balance everything so it's not all Hallmark or all one network. Um, but, you know, Hallmark gets, re- gets so, so locked into the formula sometimes that it's really hard to break out of it a bit. And with Netflix, the interesting thing is that on one hand, there are certain places where they, I think, do bring something a little different. But at the core, it really is the same movie over and over again. The other reason that I really wanted to start with this movie is a a very, very valid criticism of of this area of movies, and I've had it for a long time, as have most people, is that they are so, so white. And, And I mean a very particular type of white, if you will. And here and there, typically when you have a character of color, they are almost always relegated to the sassy sidekick part. And with exception, a few networks do put, there are certain actors uh, of, typically it's a few random women of color who break through the hallmark barrier, if you will, Uh, for better and worse. Christina Milan is probably one of the worst actresses I've ever seen do things, but she does hallmark movies all the time. Um, And then Vivica A. Fox does a lot of them for usually the Up Network with um, David Dakota, so we'll get one of those later, don't worry. But this one is, I mean, it is as generic a Hallmark Cozy Christmas title as you can get, only the main, I think, reason why a lot of people might stop at it, because it does look different, because you know what? It looks different. You have a cast of color. You have the lead actress is is black. there, her family is black. Her mother is white. So there's, inter, you know, kind of a lot of just integration going on without it ever being a thing, which is really refreshing. Uh, there is a character. Her boss is an Indian American, and there's never anything about it. It just he happens to be Indian American. Uh, even the town mayor, which of course these movies have town mayors, is Latina, and again, there's never. They don't ever go for like an easy reference to kind of point out how diverse they are. It's just a refreshing, refreshing in its casting. And we often talk about how, you know, so much of diversity is just kind of it becoming not normalized is a bad word because it is normalized. We live in America in 2018. uh, But that so much media is still so stuck on, well, white characters are going to 
be with white characters. And so it is, you know, as much as, look, this is a stupid movie, I'm going to give it some a big batch of credit for really kind of clearly coming at this with, hey, we are going to make sure that we have an absolutely diverse cast and we're not going to make a thing of it. We're just going to put it out there. So good on you, holiday calendar. Now, let me go into the plot of this movie. Again, not like you can't figure it out based on what you heard, but you have a character named Abby played by Cat Graham. And Abby is a photographer and she wants to be like a photographer, you know, Uh, but instead she works at a little local photo studio that mostly does Christmas cards and baby pictures and that kind of thing. She's unhappy. She's unlucky in love. And then her best friend comes back from his year and a half of travel blogging, which apparently is very lucrative, I'll have you know. But her and Josh, like, they're just friends. Like, oh my God, they're just friends, guys. Even though they're totally two hot people that would make beautiful babies, they're are just friends. Uh, and Kat's also one of those one of those women, stop me if you've heard this, who like hates holidays and hates Christmas and all of that. And her family's super into the holidays. And so her grandpa uh, gives her uh, her late grandmother's advent calendar and kind of just with a like, no, I think you'll like it. Just trust me on this. And what do you know? It's magic. Every day something opens, something pops out. And what do you know? Like somehow that is incorporated in the day in a magical way. So throughout the month of December, she meets a handsome, eligible bachelor played by Gregory Peck's son, or grandson, I'm sorry. And he is as wooden, possibly more wooden than Gregory Peck, uh, who is now probably in a wooden casket. Too soon, maybe. I don't know. But they date. Things don't really seem to be moving. Meanwhile, you know, Abby's career kind of goes downhill through like a really stupid mix up involving Josh. Uh, she throws away the calendar. She's mad at the world. She breaks up with Ty. She is mean to Josh. So he runs away. And then basically through, I don't know, other things that happen with the calendar and with uh, random strokes of luck, she realizes, oh my God, it's Josh. It's always been Josh. And she goes to Josh and they love each other and he buys her a photo studio at the end of the movie. That is the holiday calendar. Again, when we deal with plot, I think the biggest... Um, negative to this movie, which I'm going to come out right now and say it's it's better than a lot of the other ones I've seen. It moves a little better. The cast is a little bit more fun, a little more bubbly. But really, when you think of the driving plot, it is so hard to sum up. Usually, we get a very simple, like, a business executive moves to a small town and has to decide between saving the corporate image or saving the town's local diner. That's easy. We got it. Or a baker has to bake something for the big baking contest. Great. I got it in a line. With holiday calendar, like there's really not an easy trajectory of the plot. Uh, So again, maybe a a point or two taken out from it. However, it does some things that I'm going to give it extra points for. There is a random Silent Night, Deadly Night reference, which is not something I expect to get from my cozy cardigan Christmas genre. So that's good. Uh, The whole... Uh, as the advent calendar starts revealing things, like she, when she starts to realize, oh my god, this thing knows me. Like so, she opens the door and there's a candy cane, and then all day she's kind of like looking out for candy canes, and it gets to this kind of cool Final Destination vibe that I was really hoping the movie would dig deeper into. It doesn't. Uh, I should say the holiday calendar is directed by Bradley Walsh, who has done a lot of these kinds of movies. None that jumped out to me that I've seen, but I also forget a lot of these movies, so it's possible that I've seen his entire filmography. Uh, And written by Carrie Friedel and Eamon Catterali. 
and again, I think some of the dialogue, some, I'm saying this, the dialogue ranges from being cute and bouncy and clever at times to being really weirdly written, where it is written and then handed to an actor and like he's not allowed to do anything with it. Uh, so you have just this line stuck out to me when a character says, it's the grandpa talking about when he met the grandmother and he says, well, long ago she gave me this calendar. I'm sorry, do you know anybody in your life of any generation who has ever started a sentence with a long ago? No, nobody does that. It's not how people speak. It's not how you write a movie. But is this a movie? It kind of doesn't qualify. You know how this goes. So let me jump into the 10 uh, tropes of Christmas of these movies, the 10 things that we expect and we look for. Uh, Number one is our lead in need of a lesson. And typically this is a C-list form or a former TV actress playing an ambitious woman or a young kind of up and comer who's very pretty, but maybe doesn't have that much experience or personality. In this case, Abby is played by Kat Graham. She is lovely. Uh, I don't know much about her. It looks like she has a decent film out she works a lot like she was on vampire diary seems to be her big thing she is gorgeous a really really beautiful woman and while i don't i really these movies you can't really tell how good an actor is she's fine i mean she's capable in this but what i think is really interesting about her is that the camera fucking loves this woman uh she just looks good on camera she is comfortable on camera she is somebody that should have a sitcom around her because you can tell like she you know your eyes go to her on screen and you want to hear her talk you want to you know when she smiles you you kind of smile too so it's she's pleasant to watch which is nice Uh, her character is just kind of again it kind of on one hand i don't know maybe it's nice that she isn't your bloodthirsty corporate woman and or your kind of mousy uh like little holiday ingenue which is often what we get in these she's sort of in the middle which, where she's kind of a depressed 20 something who isn't living the life she wants i guess on one hand that's you know there's something kind of more honest and real about that on the other hand it's just not that interesting to watch so there's that number two uh, our setting which is almost always a big bad city a charming small town or a magical winter wonderland this is a charming small town the movie doesn't lean in on its small townness, but it is very much, um, it's like this fourth type now, which is coming up more and more, which is like this very idealized suburbia, where it is not an everybody knows your name, let's go to the local diner where, you know, the barista knows exactly how I take my coffee. It's more, oh, here's the town square, and if I told you to meet me at the town square, you would find me, and the town mayor, everybody loves the town mayor, so it's that kind of thing. Number three, our bland love interest. Now, in this case, um, we get we get two love interests, which is which is nice. And again, they could not be more different, which is also nice. Uh, so let's start with the very very bland love interest, played by Ethan Peck, who is indeed Gregory Peck's grandson, as I mentioned. And um, I always give a bonus for if he's a widowed dad. In this movie, he's not a widowed dad, but he is a single dad. And we know this because the second time we meet him and his daughter runs to his arms and suddenly you're thinking, oh no, he's married. Instead, he, he says it so quickly that I actually had to rewind and turn the subtitles on to hear exactly what the line was. But he, you know, he's standing there, his daughter runs to him and he mumbles very quickly, single dad, don't judge my, my sewing skills. And we find out he's divorced. Uh, he is a doctor. And, you know, on paper, everything you want. In these movies, he usually is the one. But um, he's also, I mean, again, as wooden as they come. And what's nice is that the movie f- does acknowledge that and does kind of make a point of like, uh, you know, 
yeah, he is handsome, he's wealthy, he seems to be, you know, he takes her out on ridiculous Christmas-themed dates that seem really insufferable in truth. Like, I don't need to ride a trolley, let's just walk, it's fine. Uh, but he's not the one. The real one is Josh, played by Quincy Brown, who is the, apparently the, his IMDb is a little confusing, His he is the son of model and actress Kim Porter and Sean Diddy Combs, uh, but his biological father is Al B., so that's a thing uh handsome young man uh i can't tell how much charisma he has and how much the movie is forcing it on but again just a good looking guy great smile he's playing kind of the goofy friend who's really like the love of her life type thing and their chemistry is great great the problem is I I guess this is a thing that maybe some people do but whatever is going on on his head he's got these weird braids that I can't really justify with any kind of uh, human explanation for for them. When he's wearing a hat, he's perfectly fine. When he takes his hat off and you see his head, not so good. Uh, But he ends up being quite a catch because aside from being charming to her family, everybody loves him. uh, He is also a, as I said, very successful travel blogger where apparently you can make millions doing this. Number four is our montage, and we get a few of them. I'm always worried with Netflix because I don't know if I'm going to get the same breadth of tropes covered, but I was so excited because within the first minute, the opening credits montage, I had like 12 things to check off my list, including ice skating and a guy falling on ice. So we had slapstick. We had all of that. Uh, there is also later a my favorite kind of montage, although it's not done very well. My, if anybody doesn't know, my favorite montage is a trying on clothes shopping montage. Uh, when Abby is getting ready to go on her first date, she does have like a very quick standing in front of her mirror, being upset because nothing looks good, even though everything looks good on this actress. So there's that. Number five, dead parents or dead wife. Uh, no, we get half a point because we do have a dead grandma who is very important to the plot of this film. So grandpa is recently widowed. Grandma comes up a lot. She is the driving force of this movie. I think she is haunting it in truth. Number six, our sassy sidekick, uh, which is typically the friend or sister of the coworker, usually not quite as pretty as our lead, sometimes older, sometimes just a little more quirky looking. Uh, in this case, we actually get two. Um, there is Josh kind of has a sidekick named Fernando, who is, I, I don't know what he does for a living. He seems unemployed because Josh just kind of volunteers to help Abby for a month at this very like full-time photo studio and he comes along so whatever but the other sassy sidekick is my favorite character in the movie and this is sarah sarah is abby's older sister and you know she's married and has a kid and works at the dad's law firm and is your typical sister in these movies where she's very supportive she's a little more put together um she does that thing where she wears there's a very particular style choice that a lot of these movies do where she um she wears those like long oversized cardigans that don't button which I think is kind of a uniform for these now I have one or two of them and I wear them because they're comfortable but in these movies it's usually a character choice to show that the character is comfortable in life if you will uh Sarah is the best because in addition to being you know the mom and supportive sister she is the president of the PTA and the movie really like this is where I think like oh you know this movie's a little better than I'm giving it credit for because it does give her personality and it gives her this kind of side plot of being a super competitive ambitious PTA mom and as a competitive person I respect when I see a competitive person represented on screen and so like again she's perfectly pleasant she's not doing anything villainous but whenever she's like at the PTA or you know 
her, her daughter does like a pageant thing and like she, you know her daughter comes back and she's like oh you were the best I mean not the best everybody's equal but she was so much better than everybody else and it's really cute and it's fun and I again I would watch a movie about Sarah which would probably be more interesting than this movie anyway number seven evil woman we do not get one which is a shame because again it's one of those you know weirdly misogynist things that these movies sometimes do uh enjoyably uh instead what we get um you know ty uh the gregory peck's grandson is ends up kind of being a dick but not really like he just ends up being kind of not as great a guy as he put himself out to be uh her boss is kind of a jerk but then not that much of a jerk so you know no real villains the villain maybe is abby's own insecurity if you will uh but we do this is just an odd credit thing at one point in the credits i happen to notice that um there is somebody called hot yoga mom she's not a villain but she's there so we'll, we'll give her some credit there number eight slapstick oh god there's a lot so much that i didn't even i stopped writing it down uh, again, there's ice skating, people fall, there's Pratt falls, calendars fall, all that stuff. It happens. Number nine, uh, our sage old person, this movie wins everything. I'm, I'm throwing down a gauntlet because, I mean, I have like another 10 of these to watch, but I don't see it getting much better than this one. In this case, I already mentioned him, Grandpa. Uh, Grandpa is played by an actor you would recognize, uh, Ron Safis Jones. He's on Luke Cage. He's Luke Cage's sage old person, if you will. He's the guy that that hangs out with him at the barbershop. And uh, from the beginning, we know he's going to be sage and wise. Uh, Something this movie does very well is every character is introduced kind of with their relationship to Abby. So, you know, Sarah says, you know, hey, little sister. And Grandpa says, what are Grandpas for? And Josh says, hey, best friend. So it's it's convenient of them to do. And Grandpa, uh, you know, right from the beginning kind of is, you know, going off about what it means to be in love, what great love means. At one point, he actually gets to say age equals wisdom. uh, And... Uh, he's the one that gives her the calendar. He might also be, like, manipulating things so that she ends up with Josh. It's a little unclear how much he is actively, uh, what, what do you, how do you say it? it? It's a little unsettling. He may be, um, uh, kind of, uh, not resputing, perhaps, this a little bit more, Svengali, well, you know what I'm trying to get to. There's a lot of machinations that may be occurring that aren't so natural, but who cares because we get a sage old person being wise. Uh, At one point, now, um, because there's two other sage old people, which is, so Ty takes Abby to a date at a soup kitchen where he says, I volunteer all the time. I like to bring people here to give back. And very quickly you realize, like, he, he, like, kind of volunteers on paper. Like, he does volunteer and he goes back and cooks and never talks to anybody. So Abby sits down with these two older gentlemen who come to the soup kitchen. And they're, like, the most pleasant homeless people you've ever met in your life. And they're also very clean. I, again, this is a Netflixized world of homelessness. And these, um, you know, two guys give her a lot of sage advice. And then she goes home and gets more sage advice from her grandpa. And the calendar had given her the three wise men, and she realizes, oh my god, those were my three wise men. So literally, we have the, the, repre- the physical manifestation of wisdom in these three, count them, three old people. Uh, number 10 santa claus he's not real in this case i mean the calendar is magic so we do have christmas magic is there um we get a couple of representations of santa but nothing that exciting uh a couple so now we move on to the bonus round of cozy cardigan christmas um public domain holiday songs there are so many 
oh, Christmas tree within the first five minutes. That's when I knew I had a winner on my hands, quite frankly. Uh, we get carolers singing We Wish You a Merry Christmas and Deck the Halls. We get some jazzy version of Good King Wenceslas. Uh, and my favorite, now this was not public domain, but at one point... Um, I had the subtitles on for this movie just because Gregory Peck's grandson talks fast. And the subtitle for music came up and it called it Festive Twinkly Music, which is going to be my new drag name, I've decided. Uh, the next bonus is product placement, which has become harder and harder to find. But my God, we get the best product placement in this case because, it, okay, so it's a Netflix movie, so they're not sponsored by, you know, um, Folgers Coffee or anything like that. But instead, do you know what they're sponsored by? Motherfucking Netflix! Because Abby is depressed, and so she's sitting home in her pajamas, and she, what does she do? She motherfucking Netflixes, and you know what she puts on? A Christmas Prince. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. This movie actually drops placement for A Christmas Prince inside of itself how amazing is that there is also a little bit of a lot or a big reference to a christmas story throughout the movie but i don't know if they were all i don't know if they're streaming on netflix then that would explain that uh another bonus is the cloying child we're kind of safe here like there's a there's a niece um sarah's daughter but she gets very little to do and she's cute and doesn't really say much so we're okay with that um there is a shitty kid who kicks santa which again kind of goes into a slapstick so there's that as well ice skating which is my favorite bonus round of course and we do get it uh in the opening there's a guy falling and then later there's a date montage where she's on ice so yes uh, the bonus of Canadianisms we didn't get. I didn't get a chance to see where this movie was filmed. Nothing shot out. It's, I don't know, on location in some suburban area somewhere. Uh, character with a Christmas name. Shockingly not. Um, Abby, to my mind, does not mean anything Christmas-like. And let's see. I'm going to, I've decided to add a new bonus this year because I realize this always comes up and I've never acknowledged it. Um, from now on going forward, a bonus point will go anytime a movie involves a town Christmas tree lighting, which is apparently quite a big thing here. And this one has it. Um, so grades, so point values, I don't know. I lost track. It gets a lot. It's, it's an absolutely certifiable cozy carding of Christmas. And now the last thing. I like to do on these movies is add um pull up my favorite imdb user review for it and the reviews for this are pretty mixed i think people are getting fairly smart to it to these kinds of movies so most of them are like most of the reviews you find for these movies are now like well i knew i wasn't gonna get much much conflict i knew it'd be predictable and it hit those buttons so that's not that fun to read but i like this one uh this is from jeffy poo 22 written on november 5th of this year if you can avoid this dude's hair and terrible acting you might be able to enjoy a little of this movie maybe I think that sums it up. I don't know that I can do any better than Jeffy Poo 22. Now, that was A Calendar Christmas. It is available on Netflix. Do I recommend it? You know, I mean, this isn't one that you're going to have a joyous time watching and laughing at the way you might with some of the cheaper ones, like last year's A Christmas Kiss. This is one that is a little more genuine where like if you actually do like this genre and I'm not judging you if you do. I'm really not. I don't this is a hard like line to toe because I don't want to I don't ever want to approach these movies as if I'm like better than them and I'm watching them and just mocking them. I'm not. Like I I wouldn't watch these if I hated the act of watching these movies. I'm just fascinated by them and I completely understand why they have become so popular. There is something really nicely comforting about 
watching a movie that you know is going to begin and end in 90 minutes and it's going to end with your characters in a better place than they were before and everything's going to work out and in the, and all throughout you're going to get to see pretty people um you know facing minor challenges but coming but emerging out of it i totally get that and this is one of the better ones for that i think the cast is likable i think there's something um you know credit to be given for the fact that it is a diverse movie and it leans into that without um being um tasteless about it which some of these movies can be uh and again likable lead not a harmful romance the way many of them are I think this the where this one falls apart for me is just that it's not that great a story and it doesn't drive much, but it's perfectly pleasant to watch. You can look at Cat Graham, be cute, and that's something. So if you want like the genuineness of these movies, this is not a bad one to go with. You can find it on Netflix. Thank you for listening. We'll be back soon with yet another round of stocking stuffers. You know, kitties. I think this is going to be the best holiday season ever. And you know what will make it even more special? Getting the little gift I've been dreaming of. Or better yet, getting a whole bunch of them. On the first day of Christmas, my cool love gave to me a trip to the mortuary. On the second day of Christmas, my cool love gave to me Murderous shoves and a trip to the mortuary. On the third day of Christmas, my ghoul love gave to me three lethal blows, two murderous shoves, and a trip to the mortuary. On the fourth day of Christmas, my ghoul love gave to me four thousand volts, three lethal blows, two murderous shoves, and a trip to the mortuary. On the fifth day of Christmas, my ghoul love gave to me Five mortal wounds Four thousand bucks, three lethal blows, two murderous shoves And a trip to the mortuary On the sixth day of Christmas, my ghoul love gave to me Six fiends disemboweling, five mortal wounds Four thousand bucks, three lethal blows, two murderous shoves And a trip to the mortuary on the seventh day of Christmas, my ghoul love gave to me Seven werewolves howling, six fiends disemboweling, five mortal wounds Four thousand volts, three lethal blows, two murderous shoves And a trip to the mortuary On the eighth day of Christmas, my ghoul love gave to me Eight manglers mangling, seven werewolves howling, six fiends disemboweling, five mortal wounds Four thousand volts Blows to murderous shoves and a trip to the mortuary. On the ninth day of Christmas, my ghoul love gave to me nine stranglers strangling, eight manglers mangling, seven werewolves howling, six fiends disemboweling, five mortal wounds. Four thousand bucks, three lethal blows, two murderous shoves and a trip to the mortuary. On the tenth day of Christmas, my ghoul love gave to me. Heads come flopping, nine stranglers strangling, eight manglers mangling, seven werewolves howling, six fiends disemboweling, five mortal wounds. Four thousand balls, three lethal blows, two murderous shells, and a trip to the mortuary. On the eleventh day of 
Rip Miss Michael Love came to me. Eleven choppers chopping, ten heads kaplopping, nine stranglers strangling, eight manglers mangling, seven werewolves howling, six fiends disemboweling, five mortal wounds, four thousand dogs, three lethal blows, two murderous shoves, and a trip to the mortuary. On the twelfth day of crypt, Miss Michael Love came to me. Twelve axemen lopping, eleven choppers chopping, ten heads kaplopping, nine stranglers strangling, eight manglers mangling, seven werewolves howling, sixteens disemboweling, five mortal wounds. Four thousand dogs, three lethal blows, two murderous shoves, and a trip to the mortuary. <laughs> I don't deserve all this happiness. <laughs> Oh, 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 oh.